2 Kings chapter 6, verse 1. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 1. We're going to uh, read a few verses here out of this passage. And um, as we're here in January, um, it's, it's a time of a lot of things. A time to look forward to what God's going to do uh, this, this year. It's a time of expectation. Um, it's a time of leaving the past behind. Amen? And going forward uh, with, with great faith-based uh, anticipation for all that he's going to do. So it's a time to take inventory and to set our heart forward on, on making this year successful in the things of God. And God desires us to, to be successful. He desires to bless the work of your hands and everything that, that you set to, to endeavor. He, he desires uh, to give you victory. And as we take account and as we think about our lives, perhaps uh, the things of yesterday, um, the benefit of those things is what we can learn from. Not to dwell on them, uh, not to uh, feel discouraged for those things, but to, to learn from them. Because we don't want to relive what didn't work uh, in 2023. Can you say amen? We don't want to do that. our failures, our faults, let's learn from them. And in this time, let's consider what worked and works for us in the things of God, drawing us closer to God and uh, to accomplish what he's called us to do in this world. Because when you think about it, we're given but a short time. Uh, the years pass, and those that are more seasoned in this place, I mean, you really see how fast uh, time goes, and it seems to just accelerate the, the, older, the older we get, you know. And, um, but we have to consider all these things as we draw close to God and focus on the heavenly goal that he's given us. So let's look, out of sec let's look in 2 Kings chapter 6. We're going to uh, start off there in verse 1 as we read about the prophet Elisha, about the, the prophet, prophets, and about the miracle of the floating axe head. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 1. The Bible says, One day the group of prophets came to Elisha and told him, As you can see, this place where we meet with you is too small. Let's go down to the Jordan River where there are plenty of logs. There we can build a new place for us to meet. All right, he told them, go ahead. In verse 3. Please come with us, someone suggested. I will, he said. So he went with them. When they arrived at the Jordan, they began cutting down trees. But as one of them was cutting a tree, his axe head fell into the river. Oh, sir, he cried. It was a borrowed axe. Where did it fall, the man of God asked. When he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick and threw it into the water at that spot. Then the axe had floated to the surface. Verse 7, grab it, Elisha said. And the man reached out and grabbed it. Amen. Bow your head with me as we pray. Lord, we come before you, God. We're so grateful, Heavenly Father, for all that you've done in our lives, God. We thank you for your grace, for your mercy, God. We thank you, Father God, for restoration. And Lord, I pray this morning, God, as we study your word, God, as we hear your word, Father, that our hearts would be softened, God, that we would learn, Father God, that we would take, Father God, what you're giving us, my God, and that we would walk out of here different, Father God, knowing what you've called us to do, Father God, to be faithful 
and the things that you've called us to, Father God. And I pray, Lord, that you would give your people strength right now. Father, that you'd give your people courage, Father God, and continued guidance, my God, that you would have your way, Father God, and that we would do all things, God, to please you, that your name would be glorified. We ask in Jesus' name, we all say, amen. And I want to minister a message entitled, uh, Pick Up the Pieces. Pick Up the Pieces. So as we look at this passage and as we think and contemplate about last year, all the things that we've accomplished and the endeavors that we've accomplished in our lives uh, and the various areas of our lives, whether it be family and, or, or education or your ministry or your career or personally with relationships or just in your own life, we've accomplished many things and endeavors in our lives. But I believe that there are areas in our lives that we can improve on. Can you say Amen. Each and every one of us, there's something that we can improve on in our lives. There may have been areas last year that you lost ground in. And I'm talking about the things that are within our power to control, the things that are within our power to, uh, to control. There are things in our lives that, that, that we just can't control, and we leave those things up to God. But I'm talking about the areas in our lives where we've made a decision to, to pull back or, or, or to stop moving forward in those areas. That's what I'm talking about this morning. Because for whatever reason, perhaps you let up on the gas a little bit. Uh, you, you put the shovel down and you stopped working or you took off the gloves or you took off your boots because of, of perhaps fatigue in your life. You got, you got tired of it. Perhaps you got discouraged, so you backed off a little bit. Perhaps you were offended, so you backed off and you gave it up. Or perhaps apathy has set in where you say, I just, I just don't care anymore. And many, many more reasons. And as we look here in our text, in verse 5, it says, But as one was cutting down a tree, the iron axe had it fell into the water. And Elisha asked, in verse 6, Where did it fall? And this morning, this is the question from God to, to you and I. Where did it fall? Where did you lose that thing, that thing that you were so passionate about, that area that, that God was working in your life, and you were making such great progress, but for, for whatever reason, of all these things I mentioned, the question goes out, where did it fall? Where did you lose it? And as we take inventory, if we're honest with ourselves, we can identify, well, it happened when I got offended. It happened when I got discouraged. It happened when I didn't see any breakthrough from, from my efforts. It happened, and you fill in the blank. And if we're honest with ourselves, we know what that means. I believe the Holy Spirit will reveal those things to us. Where did it fall? What has been lost, or what have you let go of? Has your resolve for accomplishing what God's called you to do, has it fallen into the water? Because that could happen. Your, perhaps your commitment to God or perhaps your commitment to your family. Or perhaps at work some things have transpired and you got offended you know, one too many times and you just you gave it up and you let off the gas, perhaps in relationships. And when you talk about relationships, you talk about offenses, right? Because offenses happen. We get offended. Things are said. We're human. People say things and offenses come in all kinds of different ways. Perhaps it relates uh, to ministry, but no matter what, in, in the various areas of our lives, we have to ask ourselves, where did it fall? What was it? 
What was that thing that caused us to, to, to back off, to stop working? There are many things. So as we look at this passage this morning, the question goes out in verse 6, where did it fall, the man of God asked. See, when it comes to understanding what God's doing in our life, we have to understand that we are not our own. Can you say amen? Again in verse 5, but as one was cutting down a tree, the iron uh, axe head fell into the water, and he cried out, and he said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. This prophet here, they were getting to work. They had vision, there was, a, there was, a, there was a, a goal, and they were all getting to work. They were cutting these trees down. They were going to build a bigger place, and everything was going great. But one of the prophets, the axe had fell off, and, and what, was, what was dire about this situation is it wasn't his. It was borrowed. How many have borrowed things from other people, right? And you only hope, man, that this thing, the way I return this thing, and the person lending it hopes that when I get this thing back, I hope it was in the same condition I gave it. But how many have borrowed something and it broke on you? Like, man, now you have a decision to make. Like, I was trying to save money to borrow this thing, but it broke, so now I have to buy it if we do what is right. Don't return it back broken and all messed up. Oh, so sorry. Good luck. <laughs> it was borrowed. Alas, Master, for it was borrowed. And this is a stark reminder to you and I, brother and sister, that what we have has only been given to us, and we are managers of those things. As we understand that, I, be, I believe that that will shift the focus, and that will, that will change the way we look at things in our lives. When we understand that what God's given us, we are just managers of these things. This truth should wake us up and understand that there's a way that God wants us to treat what he's given us. Whatever he's entrusted you with. And, and there's so many things. From your health to your body. The Bible calls us stewards. We're supposed to be stewards, right? To the talents and gifts that he's given you to go out and make money for your family. The family that you have, the husband that you have, the wife that you have, your beautiful children, your grandchildren, your family. God's entrusted you with these things, with these blessings. And I believe as we understand and we start to look at these things, that as we are managers of these things, it'll give us some conviction of how we treat these things. We're managers and stewards of what he has entrusted with us. So what does that teach us, church, is that we can no longer live haphazardly with the resources that he's entrusted us with, the things that he's given us. We can no longer just, just count those things of disregard because the truth is, is they're not yours. They're not mine. I've been entrusted with these things. My children, I've been entrusted by God with my children, my wife. I've been entrusted by God with my wife. My, my job, I've been entrusted by God with, uh, for, for my job. My, my ministry, I've been entrusted by God with this ministry so that I could be a wise steward and a manager of what he's given me. It's not yours. It's not mine. You're simply a manager. You're simply a steward with what he's given you. Now let's look at God's word and understand the truth of this and see what God's word says about it. In 1 Corinthians 6.20, the Bible says, For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You're bought with a price. Plain and simple. 
You were bought with a price. The beautiful situation that we have this morning that we could come into the house of God and we could worship him and we, we feel the presence of God and the, the presence of God is working in our life, that's all been bought with the price. It's not a price that we were able to earn with good works, right? But it was because of Jesus Christ, a price that he paid. So we are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And this scripture, this passage, this truth has, has kept me in my life going through so many, many, for many years and many trials. Because why? I know I'm not my own. I have a responsibility to be faithful with what God's entrusted me with. It's helped me go forward. It's helped me make it through the trials. And I'll tell you, the trials have been many. The hardships have been many. The struggles have been many. And I know you could, you could attest to this. In your life, the struggles have been many. The trials have been many. But as you understand that what you have has been entrusted to you, to you by God, it helps you and I to hold on and to go forward. Can you say amen? That's why you're still here this morning. That's why you're here. My ministry, my family, my kids, my job, my career, my body, so on and so forth. We say that he paid the price for these things. He paid the price for you and I. I mean, think about it, parents in this place. The things that you have purchased for your kids, that you have bought your kids, although they say it's theirs, it's yours. Who paid? Who paid for it? You paid for it, so it's, yours, it's your toy. You paid for it, so it's your bicycle. So those kids better take care of those things because you paid for it and you want to return on your investment. Can you say amen? So my son's collection of gujitsu toys, although those are his toys and he plays with them, they're dad's, they're mom and dad's toys. Why? Because we paid for those things. So he has to be a wise steward with those things. My daughter's toy bracelet bead collection, although she says it's his, it's really mom and dad's. Why? Because we paid for those things for her so she enjoys it but she has to be a good manager that's why we always tell them as parents right take care of your things don't we tell them that because we know what it means to pay for those things we know what a dollar means right they don't necessarily know they're learning these things but we understand what that means so it drives us to tell us take care of your clothes my goodness take care of your toys because we understand the value of a dollar my daughter's adorables collection she enjoys those things but their mom and dad's adorables collection, right? Because we paid the price, it's ours, because we bought it. And as we look at this example, it's the same way in the kingdom of God. God says, yes, I've, I've blessed you with the family, I bless, bless you with your wife or your husband and your children, I bless you with your career, I bless you with your gifts and talents, I bless you with all these things. But he says, they're mine. Because I paid the price for you. I paid the price for those things. So be a good manager. Take care of your things, he says. As we tell our kids, right? Take care of what I've given you. We are not our own. So what does this cause us to ponder? It causes us to know that because of these things that we have that are, on our, are not ours, we are now under authority. And one, we need to be responsible with what he's given us. Okay, that's the first thing. You've got to be responsible with what he's given you and I. Secondly, I think the most scary thing is that we're, we're going to have to give an account 
for what he's given us. We're going to have to answer for what he's given us. And that should be a sobering thought for you and I, brother and sister. Man, I'm going to have to answer for these things. Because when you're not under authority, it's simple, right? It's easy. Oh, it's all mine. And you think it's all yours, so you don't have to give an account. You don't have to be responsible. Secondly, you you don't have to answer. And that's why the flesh loves that so much. The flesh, the carnal mind, doesn't want to be under any authority. Why? Because of pride, you don't want to give an answer, and you don't want to answer to anybody. But when you understand that you're under authority, and that you have to be responsible with what you have and that you're going to have to answer for what you have, it's going to change the way we live. It's going to change the way we take care of what God's given us. And as we look in this passage with Elisha and the prophets, this prophet said, help, it was borrowed, I lost this thing. He understood that it wasn't his. Even teachers of the the word of God will be held to more stricter judgment. Those that are teaching the word of God, that are leading, James 3, 1, dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. So even the the pastors, the teachers, the leaders are going to have to give an account. Why? Because we've been entrusted with something powerful. It should drive the way we we live, drive the, the way we act, the things that we do, the things that we don't do. And to the believers, Romans 14, 12, so then each of us shall give an account to himself, uh, an account of himself to God. There's the truth. In Matthew 25, verse 14, there's the passage of the man uh, going out into a far country and entrusting his workers with his finances, finances and the talents. In verse tw- uh, Matthew 25, 14, for the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. That's what God's done with you and I. This gift of salvation. We're going to have to give an account. What do we do with it? The truth, the gospel. Jesus' death for you and I, what did we do with it? In verse 15 of that passage, Matthew 25, 15, and to the one he gave five talents, to another two talents, and to another one, to each according of his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. And as this passage continues, he returned one day, and, he, and these people had to give an account for what he entrusted them with. And the same thing for you and I, brother and sister. There's going to be a day that we're going to have to give an account. Maybe in this life, maybe in the, in the life to come, as we stand before God. But we're all going to have to give an account. So this year, let that drive us. Let that truth motivate us to take care of what he's given us. Each and every day, that's a gift that he's given you. The breath in your lungs, that's a gift that he's given you. So what are you going to do today with the gift of God that he's given you? Your voice, your words, how are you using them? Are you using them as a, as a, as a wise manager and steward? Are you, are you lifting others up? Are you encouraging them? Are you, are, you, are you helping them to draw closer to Christ? Or are you trying to deter them because of your words or our words? We have to be careful. So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. And in our text, in verse 6, the man of God said, where did it fall? And he showed him the place, so he cut off a stick and threw it in there, and he made the iron float. Such a miracle. 
Therefore, he said, pick it up for yourself. So he reached out his hand and took it. What a miracle this was. Iron doesn't float. That's right. Iron doesn't float. So this miracle transpired, and the man of God got involved, and, he, and what did he do? He won. He performed the miracle. He made the iron float. But in verse 7, there's something so profound that he says that's part of this whole passage. He says, pick it up for yourself. So he reached out his hand and took it. Pick it up for yourself, he said. Pick it up for yourself. Pick it up for yourself. This miracle that God did, the words that came after that, he said, pick it up for yourself. As I think about this, my heart goes out to the prodigals that are out there. Those that, that need to be here in the house of God, but have, have, for whatever reason, left the things of God. The sheep that have gone astray, we pray and we believe God for them that they would have cha a, a chance and that God's grace would be there for them to return. And the truth of the matter is, is that every man and woman must pick it up for themselves. Can you say amen? There was a time that the gospel was presented to you. Here you are in the house of God. You're doing your best to serve God. You're striving to serve God and to be faithful. The gospel was presented to you in one time, and what happened? You had to make a decision. I had to make a decision for Christ to say yes or no. It's a simple question that goes out to the world with, regarding the gospel. Regarding the gospel. Pick it up for yourself. It's an individual decision that we're going to have to make. As we consider the things of yesterday, the things perhaps that we were not successful in, but we know that God desires to do in our life, we're going to have to pick it up ourselves. We're going to have to make this decision individually and understand that the people of God, that, that those that are around you that wish the best for you, they're cheering you on. For the one that's come in here for the first time, and you're hearing the good news of the gospel. We're cheering you on. We're believing God that you'll make that decision for Christ. That you will answer the call and you'll say, yes, Lord, I accept you as my personal Lord and Savior. Do what you will in my life. We cheer you on. But the truth is, the decision is yours. What we're hearing this morning, the truth of God's word. Each and every one of us, the, other, the others that are around you. We cheer you on. We believe God for you. We're praying for you. But the decision is yours. It's a personal decision that we have to make. And what's amazing is God gives us the dignity to have self-will, to be able to make the decision based on love out of our own life, based on uh, obedience out of our own life. We're not robots he presents the gospel to us. He presents the way. He presents the truth to us. But each and every one of us are going to have to make that personal decision. But understand that he doesn't leave you and I empty-handed. Can you say amen? If he's telling you to live holy, if he's telling us to live holy, we have the Holy Spirit that's our helper. That's our strength. In all things, he strengthens us. He helps us to remember what he's taught us. So go back to your first love. Remember the works that you did when you were on fire for Jesus. Remember your first love in Christ, those things that you did, the commitment that you had. 
Those early days when everything was so fresh was new. The desire for holiness that you had, the, 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 the concept of compromise wouldn't even, wouldn't even be a part of your life. But over the years, how many know that, that time can, can cause us to get jaded in so many different areas, but go back to our first love? Where did you lose the axe head? Where did you lose the purpose in your life? Perhaps it stopped when you got a little comfortable in your prayer life. Go back and pick it up in that area. Get back to prayer as God wants you to pray. Perhaps you lost it in the area of having self-discipline. Sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, the discipline of, of, obe of obeying the, the Holy Spirit. When he's telling us to do something, we get up and do it and we don't waste a minute. Perhaps over the years that's gotten jaded and we put it off for tomorrow. Go back to that discipline to respond right away to the urging of the Holy Spirit. Did you perhaps fall off by putting God's word on the shelf in your life? That your schedule became, became filled up with so many other things, so the time of spending in God's word to seek his mind for your life, to seek what he thinks for your day and what he wants you to do, perhaps we put that on the shelf because we got a little bit too busy or we got fatigued. Go back to that first love, pick it up, and apply it to your life. Pick it up for yourself. Did you stop making coming to church a priority? Because of the technology that we have in our hands, right? The things that we could access, right? We could, we could log in and we thank God for the medium of YouTube and Facebook where we could log in and hear the word of God. Praise God for that. But did you stop making church a priority of showing up physically because you got too busy or you got tired or fatigued? We get tired sometimes, right? Man, we get discouraged. Perhaps we get offended. And over time, if we're not careful, we start to allow the priority of being faithful to church to, to, to take a back seat. And now it becomes emotional based on how we feel or if we have an opening in our calendar. Go back and pick it up for yourself. Perhaps it's church attendance that caused you to stray away. We'll regain that discipline and make it a point that when the doors are open for church, I'm going to be there at church. I'm going to be there at church. If I'm tired, if I'm struggling, I'm going to work it out. I'm going to adjust my calendar. I'm going to adjust my life, but I'm going to be faithful to coming to church because I don't want God to stop doing a great work in my life. Pick it up for yourself. Did you lose accountability with the people that God's placed in your life? The ability to be able to answer to someone else, to put our pride aside and be able to live a life to where, all right, I'll bring my life under God's leadership to where if I start to stray, there are people in my life that can ask me, hey, what's going on? There's safety in that, brother and sister. Do we lose accountability with the people that God's placed in our life, with our family, with our pastors, our leaders, the people that God has arranged around us for our benefit, for our safety, for our well-being, for our blessings? God doesn't set these things up just because he's a glunt for punishment and he likes to see you suffer. No, he, he does it because he cares about you. And this is the design that he's created. He's given people the authority, amen, to graciously lead you and I so that you can be safe and that you could answer if you, if you, if you go astray. Pick it up for yourself. Did you lose faith? Go back and pick it up. 
Let faith be the thing that drives you each and every day, the thing that you hold on to that is first and foremost in your life. Did you lose hope because the situations weren't changing fast enough for you? Go back and pick it up for yourself. Hold on to that hope. Understand that God's word is true and faithful. That Although you might not see it happen today, understanding that you have faith and hope that it's going to transpire and it's going to happen. Don't stop praying for your lost loved ones. Don't stop praying for your children who are out there in the world. Continue to be faithful and pray. Pray for them because God is a miracle worker. We see it each and every day. Can you say amen? We look around. We see people that, that were astray, and they're, by the grace of God, they're here in the house of God worshiping with us. And there are many more that are out there that need to come in. Pray for them. If you remember that movie, Glory, it's a great movie, and there was a scene there in, in glory uh, during the last battle scene where Colonel Shaw asks a, a profound question to those that he's leading into battle. And he asks, who will bear the, the colors? Who will hold the flag? And what does he say? He says, if this man should fall, who will bear the colors? And we should, in our lives, determine that we will hold up the banner of righteousness despite what he does, what she does, despite what anybody else does. We're going to be faithful to God because we are in a battle. Amen. We're entering a battle and the Lord asks us, who can I depend on? Who will bear the, the colors? Who will hold up the flag? In the midst of battle, he asks that question. And if, you, if, you, if you've seen the movie, you understand that, that, that many of them died. But nevertheless, they held up the banner, they held up the flag, and with courage, they went into battle. See, we always must be ready to answer the call. There's a, God, there's a reason that God's placed you where you're at this morning. In your life, in your home, in your church, at your job, at your school, with those relationships that you have in your life, there is, a, there is an orchestrated plan by the hand of God, a strategic plan created by God. That's why you're there. That's why you're in your family, to be a light, to stand for righteousness. It gets tiring sometimes. We get discouraged. We get battle fatigue. We get shell-shocked because of things that transpire, but nevertheless, God has called you and I to stand for him, to shine for him, to fulfill his purpose, not our purpose. The Bible says to endure hardness is a good soldier. A good soldier, despite the elements, despite the, the situation, they'll stand up and they'll answer the call. Each and every morning, they'll put on their boots. They'll put on the attitude of getting to work and accomplishing what their general has called them to accomplish. See, each and every day, it's a gift of God that we have to be faithful with to fulfill his purpose. So understand that there's a reason why you are where you are. It's not by accident. It's God's designated purpose in your life. Be faithful with that. Be a light in this dark world. You're tired, God's gonna give you strength. You're discouraged, he's gonna encourage you. You might be without hope, take on hope this morning, pick it up for yourself because God is about to move if you believe that, if you hold on to faith and you hold on to hope, God is gonna move. You're needed this morning. Be faithful, stand your ground. God's going to move and watch and see the miracles transpire. So the man of God asked this prophet, he told him, pick it up for yourself. 
We have to grab it, he said. Take it, retrieve it, go after it, chase it, run it down, capture it, don't relent, don't give up, press on, don't let off the gas, don't go quietly, pursue it, give chase, step it up, push, 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 move forward with opposition, with no opposition, it doesn't matter, we're gonna go forward, we're gonna pick it back up. So whatever has happened, you transpire, you go on and you go forward. If you failed, then you get up and you dust off, you dust yourself off and you go forward. That failure doesn't define you this morning. The Word of God defines you. Your faults, your failures, your shortcomings, those things don't define you. The Word of God defines you. He's called you to be more than a conqueror in Jesus' name. Amen. He's called you to be the head, not the tail above and not beneath. He's given us victory in all things. And yes, we're still human. We fail. We have faults. All these things. But by the grace of God, we're still here. And there's a plan and a purpose for our lives. There's much work to be done this year in 2024, church. And it's going to take soldiers. It's going to take those that will endure hardness as good soldiers to continue to go forward. So grab it this morning. Hold on to it. Pursue it. No matter how you're feeling, the truth of God's word is always true. Pursue what he's given you. And he's going to give you the strength. He's going to help you, and, and, and in Christ, we have the victory. Can you say amen? Man, you're victorious. You got the victory. It's yours. Don't relent. As the worship team makes their way up this morning. So this morning, we understand that the, the year is still new. And by the grace of God, we're here this morning receiving his word. All of us, by God's grace, we're here because of him. Without him, we're nothing, the Bible says. So with this truth, what will we do with it? What is it that perhaps you dropped and lost last year that you know you need to pick back up? And today, pick that thing up, that resolve that you once have. Pick it up today. Don't let another day go by with you just letting it float down river out of your, out of your grasp. In our text, the prophets were doing the work of the Lord and something happened and it slowed their progress. But they called to the prophet. They knew where to call. They knew to call unto God. And a miracle transpired, and they had a chance to change and to go get what was lost. And this morning, that's the case. If we want healing and restoration and to gain back the ground that God's called us to have, we can't wait another second. Identify in your life where it fell perhaps where you lost it and understand that you're not your own if you live your life that way that it is your own then we'll be disappointed right but as we live our life understanding that we're God's and he paid the price for us I believe we're gonna be blessed we're gonna see the fruit of our labor we're gonna see God move Finally, wherever it was that you lost that thing, as the Word of God says, go back and pick it up. And as we close this morning, I want to read one last passage, Psalm 71, verse 20. Though you have made me see troubles, many and bitter, you will restore my life again. From the depths of the earth, you will again bring me up. You will increase my honor and comfort me once more. It's the truth of God's word as the psalmist writes these things. So this morning, let us take God's word. Let us run with it.
Let us answer the question in our life, where did it fall? And let us confess the truth in our lives that we are not our own. And lastly, wherever that thing was lost, the Word of God says, go back and pick it up and grab it and take it. It's yours. With every head bowed, every eye closed this morning,